Welcome to the High Vibe Podcast, a show created for women who want to elevate their health, mindset, and spirituality. I'm your host, Tori Nishino, corporate girl turned full-time online health and lifestyle entrepreneur. Join me every week for a high vibe conversation that will inspire you to live your best, healthiest, and most high vibe life. Are you ready? Let's go. What is up, my beautiful people? I am so excited for today's podcast episode. We have Jess Glazer on, who is a multiple seven-figure CEO. She is an online business coach and speaker, and she's an amazing human. Amazing, incredible energy, and super successful, and all self-made, and I, and I love that. And it's so funny. We actually connected because she just tagged me in one of her Instagram stories when she was learning to shuffle. And then we started talking and she start, she took one of my classes and we just kept on connecting. And I was looking at her page, learning more about her. And I was like, this girl's the real deal. And I love her energy. I love her vibe. And she brings so much value to this podcast episode, you guys. Like, insane amounts of value. We talk about money. We talk about limiting beliefs. We talk about growing pains and scaling a business. We talk about burnout, like all of the things. So if you have ever been interested in either becoming an online coach, running your own online business, entrepreneurship in general, this is going to be the podcast episode for you. Definitely get out a notebook. You're going to want to take notes. Like literally Jess walks you through a formula on money and reverse engineering your goals and your money beliefs and your money blocks and all of that stuff. So we get into the nitty gritty of everything. There's so much value on this podcast episode. So make sure to get out a notebook. If you're listening to this in the car, come back to it. You're definitely going to want to. It's that good. I promise you it is that good. So I'm so excited to introduce Jess Glazer. Let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to the High Vibe Podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. Today I have Jess Glazer on, who is a former celebrity personal trainer and elementary school teacher who turned her once cute side hustle into a multi-million dollar business in two years. Insane, I know. (laughs) Since leaving her teaching job in 2017, she has hired a team of incredible heart-centered leaders, served hundreds of clients, helped helped create over $6 million in revenue for those clients in under two years, and is committed to helping 100 entrepreneurs create seven-figure impact-driven businesses. As a result of donation and awareness, she and her husband are building a school in Ghana with Pencils of Promise. She's been featured in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, The Today Show, Good Day New York, The New York Post, Shape Magazine, and Well Plus Good. Her mission is to cause a ripple effect and inspire change for generations to come, making a massive impact and leaving a lasting legacy beyond her singular actions. Jess, I am so excited to have you on the show. I love your energy. Also, fun fact, she has started shuffling, for those of you who don't know, and she's already picked that up. So amazing. So Jess, can you just introduce yourself, share a little bit of your story. I'm sure people are very curious how you went from a PE teacher to having, to being an entrepreneur and a very successful one in two years. Yeah. Tori, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's so funny when someone reads your bio and you're sitting here and you're listening, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we never really celebrate that. It's yeah. Cool. No, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So just a little backstory. I'm, I'm no different than you. So any listener that's listening, I'm no different than you. I actually dropped out of my college doctorate program that I was in, went to college for physical therapy, dropped out of my doctorate program, ended up in the fashion industry for a small minute, and then shifted over into 
elementary school teaching phys ed, like you said, which was a quote unquote fallback plan. It was kind of like a safety net that my parents in college sort of forced me to get. And so I did that for eight years, um, was very unfulfilled, amazing job. I acknowledge all the teachers out there. It was a, a fun job. I mean, elementary school phys ed, what's better than that? But <laughs> I just wasn't totally fulfilled. And so I was always looking for something else. So nights and weekends, I would create work for myself. And I had been a trainer since I actually got certified the day I turned 17. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I was just always training clients and running group fitness classes and boot camps. And fitness was always sort of the kind of the path. It was always the industry. I was always in fitness in some capacity. And so while I was working as a teacher, I was building all sorts of fitness-based platforms. And in 2013, I started doing bodybuilding competitions. And my coach lived in a different state than I did. And so she would email me my workouts and my macros. And that's when I had my first aha moment of, I can do that too. And so in 2013, I kind of started playing around with like email uh, back and forth, you know, helping people in fitness. I got involved in a network marketing company that I was with for four years. Again, just like dipping my feet into a lot of different things. I started messing around with paid Facebook groups and running challenges. And then low ticket eBooks and then higher ticket courses. And one thing led to another. Um, and in 2017, I decided to leave my teaching job. I in like no way had replaced my income. It was not something that I was leaving to go do entrepreneurship full-time. It was, I was really unhappy. I was really unfulfilled and I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I couldn't breathe. So I jumped not to grow my wings, but I jumped because I just couldn't do it. Um, it was actually a podcast episode that I had heard in October of 2016, I share this story and I'd love to share it here. It's a quick yes. story because it, it changed my life. I want to hear it. Um, so I was on my way to work, you know, coffee in hand, driving down the same road I drive down every day. And I was listening to a podcast. The woman on the podcast being interviewed had a jewelry line of stuff that she was selling on Etsy. This was in 2016. And she was also a teacher. She wanted to go full-time in her jewelry job, but didn't think that she could because that's crazy, right? Like, who are you to leave your benefits and weekends off? And so the man interviewing her said, if you left your teaching job and you gave yourself one year to quote unquote, make it work, if it didn't work with jewelry, what would be, what would you do? What would be the worst case scenario? And so she responded and she said, I probably would go back to teaching, maybe a different district, but I've been a teacher for 10 years. Now at the time I had been a teacher for eight. So I'm already like tuned in, you know, I'm leaving <laughs> into this conversation. And his response had me actually pull the car over. He said, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, how does it feel every day to wake up in your worst case scenario? And I was just like, what am I doing? So I pulled the car over. I was hysterical crying. I texted my husband. I said, I can't do this anymore. That night we discussed what it would look like. And then after that winter break, so what, a month and a half later, I actually gave notice. So January 4th, after coming back from winter break, I gave notice to my principal. I had no idea what I was going to do. Wow. I just couldn't do that anymore. And so what then started was the hustle and grind of how am I going to make it work? We lived in New Jersey. We knew we'd be living, uh, moving to Manhattan where my husband worked and I would try to, you know, make it as a fitness instructor or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so in that time frame, from January to the end of the school year, I was taking the train into New York City three nights a week and taking different fitness classes and getting myself in the room. I was meeting other trainers. I was making a name for myself. I was showing up. Um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. People think like, oh, it must be nice. It was really hard. I'd get out of my work day. I'd go train clients. And then I'd take the train at five o'clock at night, you know, into Manhattan, mm -hmm. pay $40 for a drop-in and then take the train home. So I kind of started to make a footprint for myself in New York. And so when the time came for me to actually leave work and we moved into the city, 
I already had a community. I already had job offers. Um, and something huge for me was dropping my ego and understanding that at the time I had been a trainer for probably 14 years. So I hadn't done the quote unquote floor training where you have to like pick up the weights and wear the name tag. I hadn't done that in over a decade. Mm -hmm. And so I had to put my ego aside and say, I might have to do that again and switch the have to, to get to, and what a cool opportunity to be the, you know, the bottom again, to be the new person again, and to build something from the ground up. And so while I had no plan of what this entrepreneurial journey would look like, the plan was do whatever it takes to make ends meet and do whatever I need to, to get the help I need to get, to make the money I need. And I was willing to, you know, waitress and bartend and do whatever I had to do. Um, and so that was the plan. So I'm, I'm always very clear about that because it was not a I started making a lot of money. So I quit. It was, it was actually the opposite. It was like, can't do this anymore. So I left. Wow. Yeah. What a yeah. story. And I'm sure yeah. that's something that sounds like people probably just got terrified, like hearing that. Cause like yeah. you're, you're almost leaving something that is like secure. Right. And totally. I'm doing like the air quotes, right? Yeah. Like your stable paycheck. And then all of a sudden you didn't even even have a backup plan or like a plan a like you were just like I can't do this anymore and you cut it out wow what a story that's so insane I totally thought that you were building it on the side and then turned it into something so when you're getting into the fitness realm now you do business coaching right and you you coach and have programs for other entrepreneurs that are trying to start out and scale build and scale their own businesses so how did you get there like how did you get from fitness to where you are now yeah I love this so one of my favorite quotes is Steve Jobs. You can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards and you have to trust that they'll appear. Wow. Why did I go to fashion school? Why did I go to school to be you know, a doctorate of physical therapy? What did eight years teaching elementary school do? Because again, my ego is like, what a waste of time. <laughs> yes. But really you can't, you can't connect the dots looking forwards. So now when I look backwards, I'm like, oh, okay. Actually, those were all the different experiences and skills and tools that I needed to get me here. So to answer your question, when I moved to New York and was doing full-time in-person personal training, I was still doing the paid Facebook groups and the things online. And I was like trying to make that side hustle work. Mm-hmm. And so I went all in and was working 30 hours a day and was training clients in person, was doing my mm-hmm. stuff online. And what ended up happening was I was doing a lot of high ticket group coaching programs in health and fitness online. A lot of my trainer friends in New York started seeing that I was having success online and that I was always on my computer and what are you doing and how did you build those landing pages? And so just very organically, a teacher, right? I sat mm-hmm. down with my friends and every Thursday afternoon I was helping my friends at the gym and very quickly it was like one friend and then three and then seven and then like every Thursday at noon we're sitting on my laptop and I, I finally was like, I think I need to charge you guys for this. Yeah, like, yeah, like I'm giving like I, away all yeah. of the goods. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't care because they were get they were building businesses that were helping more people. So it was this yeah. ripple effect of change. And so, but you saw the opportunity there. You were like, well, I have value and skills to deliver. And like, why don't I actually make, make this work into a monetary exchange for you? You know, but who am I? I've never, I had never taken a business class. I mean, I'd been in masterminds and I'd been in courses. I've been investing in myself in that capacity since 2014, but I, I went to school for kinesiology. Like how could I teach marketing? Um, Mm -hmm. So I really had to lean on kind of the results. Right. And so like, I have this ability to get results. And so I can teach you what I do. I don't know that it's the right way. It's just my way. And if it works for you, cool. And so in November, 2018, we created Empower. It used to be called Empower University. Um, and that is our signature 90 day group coaching program. I say our, because now we have this you know massive team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that it really started out of people asking. It was just a need. And I did both. I was doing fitness and business for about a year until I finally, I let go of fitness kind of at the end of 2019 for good. So the business kind of just happened organically because as you were growing your own fitness business, other people saw note of that. And then you were like, wow, like I can actually start teaching this. So something that you mentioned that came up that I feel like so many people struggle with is the, who am I to do this? I don't have the qualifications. I don't have the degree. I don't have the experience. And a lot of times I see so many people that feel like they're not worthy to mm-hmm. share their gifts or share their value or sh- share or make money doing something. And so how were you able to work through? I know you were saying that you invested in yourself, right? You yeah. were investing in programs and coaching and, you know, all masterminds and all of this stuff, which I'm a huge believer. And that's like yeah. something I definitely want to dive into is investing in yourself. But I feel like sometimes people think that they need all those special letters behind their name. Mm, certification qualified, cer- Certifications. Yeah. And like all of these things yeah. to be able to be qualified and, mm-hmm. and equipped to teach others. And so how are you able to overcome that? Or what advice do you have to others that might be suffering from certificationitis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's a beautiful opportunity to like realize that we're mirrors for one another. And so for me, it was like, what would I tell a client of mine that's going through that? And then how can I hold that up and reflect it back to myself? And my answer there would simply be, you know, first of all, I'm a believer of come with me, not look at me. So like, I'm here for impact. I'm not here for, for, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the fame or whatever, whatever that would be mm-hmm. that notoriety. So if you're one step ahead ahead of somebody, like you only have to have the flashlight. If you're in a tunnel, yeah. you only have to be one step ahead with the flashlight. And if you're saying, come with me as I learn, come with me as I try, come with me as I show you what I've, what has worked for me. You're not making claims. You're not saying, look at me, or it has to be this way. And when I was with network marketing, similar company uh, to what you do, mm-hmm. you know, health, health and wellness, it was very much the person who was on the journey is often more relatable than the person who's at the end, wherever that 100%, is, right? the, the, yeah. the, the quote unquote end. But it's like, yeah. if you're first stepping into a weight loss journey, is the person that you want to work with a couple steps ahead of you and they're still losing weight and they got the belly fat that they're still struggling with and they don't get it perfect every day or is it the person who has like a shredded 16 pack you know abs and they are up at four in the morning every day getting their workout and that can honestly be intimidating to people and so just reminding myself of if i can just show people just one step ahead where i'm at and never claim to be an expert but this is what i'm learning or this is what i've tried maybe you can try it too it releases that pressure of having to know everything. And then on the other side of the coin, also knowing what is outside your scope of practice. Like, quite frankly, I do not encourage you teach something that is outside your scope of practice. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? I bring in experts. We have a lawyer on staff. We have an accountant on staff. We have a tech person on staff. Those are outside my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And I don't pretend to be able to teach them. Like I legally can't talk about legal stuff. I don't know it. I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that people fear if I bring in someone else to teach it scarcity, now I'm not worthy. I'm not worth it. It's not valuable, valuable enough. People don't see me as an expert or, oh my gosh, what if my people then go with that other person? That's scarcity, right? Whereas I'm like, no added value, like yeah. crazy amount of extra value. Like you're getting this with my program for free. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. I have, like the scarcity mentality, I think is huge. And I see it all around that, like, cause the truth is, is like, we all have value to share and we all have our own unique gifts. But when you have that abundance mentality, like 
you realize that there's enough to go around and everyone's out here doing their like their own things and their impacts and when we can collaborate and like work together like you can make a bigger impact and so i love that you bring in experts that are outside your scope of expertise and like help them with your with your own you know clients that you have in your own coaching programs yeah so that that's amazing and i love that and the one step ahead is so important i think like if you're just one step ahead of like someone i think that's huge like for me personally i remember even just teaching shuffling. I know you took my last class. Like I remember I was like, I got, I started to have those beliefs. Like I've only been doing this for a year and a half. Like who am I to start teaching? You know? But I was like, but there's a lot of people that want to know what I've learned in the last year and a half. And I can teach them that, you know, and I'm not an expert. I don't know everything. I'm not the best, but like, I can teach you what I have learned, you know? And so I love the, like, let's link arms and do this together. And we can, we can learn as we go and have that mentality. And um, and that way it's so authentic and it's so real. You're not claiming yeah. to be an expert. You're not claiming to be a know-it-all. You're yeah. like, this is where I'm going. And like, who wants, who wants help and who wants to join me and who wants to do this together. But I think it's also a level of like, so the gap between, let's say you and I in shuffling, right? The gap between us is smaller than the gap between myself and someone who's been doing it for six years. So not only is it more relatable, but the person who's been doing it for six years might not be excited or interested to teach me. They're mm-hmm. so beyond, like they're so much further along in their journey where they don't even remember where they started and they don't know how to break those moves down anymore because their body now just does them, right? Like yeah. it's muscle memory and you're like, That's I don't know so how true. I do it. I just do it. Yeah. And so I think we were talking about this yesterday on a coaching call with a different group of clients. I have higher level entrepreneurs. If you imagine that kind of tunnel again, right? And I'm in front of somebody with a flashlight and we have a line of people behind me. We're in like a single file line and let's say there's six people. The question was, can you be a student and a leader at the same time? My answer is absolutely. I believe we, we all should be, right? So like, mm-hmm. as I'm in the quote unquote front of the line and there's six people behind me, if you, Tori, are the seventh person and you also have a flashlight and you're a student, but you're also now leading the people that are behind you, like the people behind you can't see where my light is shining all the way at the front. It's too far ahead. They need you in the middle. Like you have to help the, pe- the people behind you. Yeah. It's our responsibility. Yeah. I love that. And I think like something that you mentioned a hundred percent, like, I feel like I know exactly what it's like to feel a beginner because I was just there, you know? And so, because I know that I'm able to talk about things and speak to things that people are just learning because I'm like, I, it's so fresh in my mind. Whereas as you start to become more advanced, you forget kind of like the steps that were really hard for you to learn or the skills that were really hard for you to to develop or the struggles that you went through, you almost forget about it. Um, So I love that you said that, like, we need the people in the middle. We need the people that are more relatable and that know exactly what the beginner's in any craft or going through and struggling with. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. Like such a great mentality to have. Um, And as we shift this conversation, I want to talk about something very related to to business and entrepreneurship and energy, which is burnout. Um, I know know (laughs) that you mentioned that you've dealt with burnout twice in Mm -hmm. your entrepreneur journey. And I wanted to ask like, what were those moments? When did they happen? And do you think that burnout is avoidable or is it one of those things where it's just gonna, ha- it's bound to happen? Yeah, I love this. I have such a polarizing opinion on this. So going to your first question of burnout, um, it was really the second time that I went through burnout that it finally hit me because I'm sure many listeners feel the same way. 
I don't necessarily get the lesson from the universe the first time, you know, you get like the poke and the nudge and then whack on top of the head and then you're like taken out. So it, it required me to be completely taken out, to be honest, which I'm not proud of that, but I'm, it's, I'm learning. It's an awareness. It was a lesson be, that you needed. Exactly. Like, yeah. like I'll be 37 in a, in, in April and I'm like, wow, just getting amazing. it. <laughs> 37? Shut up. Okay. You guys, if you, if you could see Jess right now, like she looks amazing. Okay. Go Thanks. on. <laughs> um, I'm, but I'm just finally starting to understand this. So the second bout of burnout was, it's funny, I knew it was happening. Like I could feel it coming. There were the signs of all the different things, whether it was health issues or there was like the resentment, lack of motivation, exhaustion, all these different things. It ended up with me on my knees in our apartment in New York, crumbling, just absolutely having a complete breakdown. I actually, I had a breast cancer scare. And, um, I was on the ground just crying and I was blaming myself and I was telling my husband like over and over, like, I did this, I did this to myself. I know I did this. I'm working too much. Like I'm not taking care of myself. And he said something that like flipped my world upside down. This was in 2019. Um, the second time that I had dealt with something like that. And he, he looked at me, he said, I love you, but I'm not going to console you because I want you to remember how you feel. Now, the interesting thing is I brought that up to him like months after it happened and he did not mean what I actually took it as. He was actually referring to something completely different, but I took from it what I needed. And what I took was, yeah, like you did do this to yourself. Wake up. Like how many times are you going to do this? And what's it all for? Like, what's it for? Because now you're nervous about even being here tomorrow. And so did that stuff. Other other stuff really matter. Um, so for me, that really shifted everything. And it really was a, just a switch that I flipped and like totally shifted moving forward what that looked like. And I finally was able to release some control and hire a team and, and start to delegate and get really good at that. And now it's actually, I think it's a superpower of mine, quite frankly, is now asking for help where before I was like, I can do everything by myself and I'm a boss babe and you know, whatever that is, mm -hmm. um, ego, <laughs> recovering yeah. perfectionist, all the different things. Um, so that was really the wake up call that I had. Cause it was kind of like what you have two choices here, which yeah. way are you going to go? It's all yeah. or nothing. And so for me, that was huge moving forward. Do I believe that it's avoidable? I do. I do. And I know that it sounds like there's a question mark at the end of it. My <laughs> only, my only thing is I just, I personally don't know how, because for me, I don't have a friend or a peer or a mentor who has built a seven or multiple seven or eight figure business or whatever that might look like, even multiple six figures who has not dealt with some sort of a, some type of burnout, some type of adrenal fatigue, exhaustion, mental breakdown. Do I think it's possible? Yes. I do not have the blueprint. I do know now what are key indicators for me. Like I can tell now what the signs are for me and I have an awareness now, but for me personally, I wouldn't have that awareness had I not gone through it. And so my polarizing opinion, I just get frustrated when I see coaches online, like you, you know, who are doing 16 figures and they're like, you can have a 16 figures without burnout, you know, a 16 figure business without burnout. I'm here. And it's like, yeah, because you went through it before and now you're showing people the other side. And I just don't think that's fair. So do I think it's possible? 100%. I think that it requires a lot of awareness. And so I think being in tune with yourself and your inner knowing, and maybe that's meditation or journaling or whatever that might be. I do think it requires a lot of just kind of inner quiet and stillness to be able to like tell when it's happening and a lot of ego work, a lot of ego work. And I, I do, I, yeah, I think it's possible. I'm just, unfortunately, or fortunately I had to go through it to learn it. Yeah. yeah. I honestly don't know if I know anyone that hasn't 
had their phase, you know, yeah, where they, yeah. they've been overworked, honestly, as an entrepreneur. And I think, I think it is honestly the best thing that we can do is be honest and share that it is hard work. And you might have those times where you're crying on the floor and you're yeah. doubting yourself and you feel like, man, I just worked like 15 hours today. And like, what's going on, you know, yeah, and like, totally. and, and that to know that that is a season. Um, and, and I think especially in the very beginning, I don't know about you, but for me, like the very beginning of my business was like, obviously the hardest, like, yeah. and like, obviously there's still growing pains every level. Like there's a new devil. Every time that you continue to grow, there's new challenges, but you have that confidence under your belt to know that you're, you're equipped to be able to get to that next level. And you're going to have to learn some skills. But in the very beginning, you kind of are lacking a little bit of the, the belief the confidence, the skills, and you're trying to do a million things, you probably might have another job going on while you're building your other side business, right? So like you're stretching yourself a little bit and you, you do have to make sacrifices. I know for me, like my first two years, like I was building on the side of my corporate finance job. I was not going to happy hours. I was working full all my, every Sunday was my day that I literally treated it like I was working full time. Yeah. Every Sunday, I was waking up at 5 a.m., working out, staying up till 10 p.m., 11 p.m., doing my business. Like, I just had to build it in the pockets of my day in those mm-hmm. times. And, like, was it easy? Absolutely not, you know? And, and yeah. it, but it was, it's like that short term sacrifice to know that something like that is, is temporary. If you're very intentional with it and you know where you're going and you're intentional with your growth, it, it's a temporary, you know, situation. Yeah. If you're doing it with like no, light at the end of the tunnel that's when I feel like it can be really debilitating because you're like I can't live like this forever right you can't like and I I think that there are those seasons in your business and in your life where you're like in full hustle mode Mm -hmm. and those seasons where you can maybe take your foot off the gas a little bit and like rest and recover um but yeah, so I love it. You're like, I have, I know it's possible. I just haven't <laughs> met anyone that's done it yet. So my question would be, I know you were saying that you have the self-awareness to realize like when burnout might start happening again for you. Yeah. What are things that you do to try to avoid the episodes where you're crying on the floor, mm-hmm. debilitating, <laughs> having like a total meltdown? Or do you still have those like meltdowns occasionally? <laughs> um, I choose C, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for me, again, I think I have a pretty good indicator now, some signs. So for me, some signs are, and this might be, you know, some of the listeners when I'm getting irritable, when I'm getting snippy, if I'm like running up against a wall where, you know, the days you're just behind your laptop and like nothing's actually getting done, but you're like working or you're busy, but nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of inspiration and motivation. If my wheels are spinning in that sense. And then for me, um, I actually retired my husband this summer and he now works in the company full time. And so we work together. Yeah. Incredible. But if I'm, if I'm snippy with him, if I'm like argumentative or defensive or highly, highly sensitive, um, those are all going to be pretty good indicators for me that I actually need to step away. And that's a good opportunity for like less is more. And I think sometimes our wheels are spinning. And so we try to push through and we try to like grind it out. It's like, just do the thing, even though you've been on the computer all day where I now have the awareness of actually shut the computer and like, go for a drive, go for a run, be in nature, go dance, you know, learn how to shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and truly that's where that came from because it was like, I need a new outlet that is not something I have to monetize or even yeah. want to monetize. Yeah. Just and just to fun. be unplugged. Like, exactly. Like play is productive. That was like something that was really hard for me to learn. Yeah. Um, as someone that's like, you know, like work, work, work that like play is productive. It like, it just like reignites your energy and you can come back with like clarity, clarity, 
new inspiration, just like mm-hmm. fresh. So I love that. Like sometimes just like unplugging for a little bit and doesn't need to be like unplugging for a month. I mean, like yeah. I'm, you're unplugging for like a couple hours or whatever, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and just doing whatever you need to do to rejuvenate. Amazing. So I kind of want to talk about your, your coaching program. I know you have a 90 day coaching program. Yeah. Um, what are, and it, I'm guessing it's a group coaching program that you take everyone through. Yes. So what are some of the most common things are they, are these for beginning entrepreneurs or people that are trying to get from like six to seven figures? Yep, um, so we I'm have both. both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have for different levels. So yep. for beginning entrepreneurs, people that have an idea or have a concept that they know they want to mm-hmm. monetize and they want to scale. What are some of the most common roadblocks or problems or issues that you see a lot of new entrepreneurs go through and what are some of your biggest tips to yeah. work through those? Oh gosh. I'm like, how long do we have? It's so funny because <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. Well, the interesting thing is it's actually the same thing for both. Really? So whether I'm helping someone create a business from the ground up and they start at zero, or they're just trying to hit their first 10 K month, or they're going for, you know, hundred K month or, um, seven figures, whatever that is, oftentimes the same stuff does come up. Of course, at the higher level, it's a lot more hiring and scaling and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of the person, the, the human themselves, it, it really is the same stuff. So I think some of the biggest things is it's ego. Like I talk about ego all the time. And one of my personal mentors, uh, he it's his quote, I will quote Chris Harder. He says, ego is your biggest overhead. I love Chris Harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His dear, dear friend and yeah. mentor for about seven years. Um, wow. Yeah. So ego is your biggest overhead. That's his brilliant quote. Ego, ego can cost you everything. Like if you're not willing to ask for help, if you're not willing to show up, if you're not willing to get out of your own way, if you think you are better than, you know, like just keep filling in the blank ego. So for those, so can you define ego like and like make it very clear for what you're Mm -hmm. referring to when you say ego? Yeah. So we have healthy and unhealthy ego. We're born with an ego. Um, Ego really is kind of like a personality. So it's part of who you are, but for what's considered the negative ego or bad ego is what we think of when we think of um, trying to be the best in the room or always having to be right or wanting to be seen in a way because of validation, right? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of like your, your negative ego is that needing to be seen. Mm -hmm. The positive is your ego where it's like safety, where it's almost your, it's, it's your internal dialogue saying like, whoa, that's dangerous. Be careful. And so that mm-hmm. ends up getting blurred with like fear and, re- and resistance. Cause you're like, I don't know, am I scared? Is this just out of my comfort zone or is this dangerous? Yeah. And actually like fight or flight happening. And it's hard to distinguish, especially nowadays, because we don't have thankfully saber tooth tigers chasing us anymore, but the central nervous system doesn't know the difference. So chemically mm-hmm. what's going on in your body when you're having a fear of, let's say talking on your Instagram stories, that's a real fear. So we need to honor it not push mm-hmm. it away and say that it's not valid. It absolutely is valid. The chemical reaction happening in your body is because there's danger ahead. And so your body's like, whoa, be careful. You're going to fall off the cliff or that tiger's going to eat you. But really you're just going to jump on Instagram stories and it's not the end of the world. Right. Yeah. So again, inner knowing and that awareness to be able to like delineate what's actually happening. So the more negative ego is when you're doing something for the reason of X, Y, Z for mm-hmm. me, a lot of people, recovering perfectionist, super type A, control freak, high achiever, like mm-hmm. had was the captain of everything, has to be the best at everything, super mm-hmm. highly competitive. Um, ego often drives my car. And so in a negative way where it's like, I have to be the best in the room or if I'm not the best, I won't even play, right? Like that mm-hmm. was an old story. So 
card mm-hmm. games even with friends. Like if I don't know how to play and I'm not going to win, I won't play at all Yeah, because, because that's dangerous for me if I yeah. get in a position where I can't win. Um, and so Chris actually years ago, I, when I was still working in fitness full time, I was doing a lot of writing and fitness modeling and stuff for magazines. And he, we were at a dinner one time and he pulled up my website <laughs> and you said he saw all like the as seen ins and he just looked at me and he's like, how much, how much more do you need? How much more do you need to feel valid before you realize that this has nothing to do with your actual business or the success of your business? Because I was, I was stuck. I was still doing fitness and business at the same time. And so he was trying to get me to see that if I could just put fitness down and go all in on business coaching, what would happen? And of course, what happened a month later, I put fitness down for good and my business Mm -hmm. grew, you know, multiple seven figures. So it was like, okay, fine. He's right. But my ego wanted more credibility, more validation. I wasn't getting paid for those magazine things. I wasn't, they weren't helping my business at any point. They're just alkalades that like you, that made you feel worthy. They were certificationitis. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was addicted to, to that. My ego was addicted to that. So that's that kind of unhealthy ego. So you see a lot of people both in your lower coaching beginner program Mm -hmm. and the the higher level struggle with ego, right? As a road. Yeah, totally. Sorry, but they don't want to ask a question, right? Like they're too scared to ask a question or ask for help because it might look that make them look bad Mm -hmm. or they're addicted to the certification. So they just keep taking the courses. I have people that come in that have done like seven 90 day programs and have no business. I'm like, why do you keep it? I mean, I acknowledge you for investing, but like, when are you going to take action? Right. But they're just addicted to like getting the certifications and they're too scared to take action. Uh, the ego, even of like showing up on social media, it's like the fear of what people might say or not say, or what if they launch and nobody joins, like that's your ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that's like one of the biggest like roadblocks uh, that you see a lot of people. Is there anything else that's like very common, um, even for, for new entrepreneurs, I feel like the people that listen to this audience are very curious or wanting to start their own business. Yeah. They have the concept, they have the idea, but they're not taking action. Yeah. They don't feel ready. They don't feel worthy. They, and that's mm-hmm. their ego, right? Yeah. That's telling them that they're not ready, that they're not worthy. Um, so what tips do you have for people that are kind of like in that phase where they know that what they're doing right now is not working. They yeah. know that the job that they're in, what, whatever that they're doing, their situation is not working, but they're scared of the change. They're scared of taking the risk. They're scared of making the investment in themselves, mm-hmm. which I definitely want to talk about investment and expense. I, yeah. I saw you did an amazing post on that because that is something that like we definitely need to dive into, but what tips do you have for that person where their, their ego is in the front seat right now Yeah, and is totally driving in the figure ego is. Yeah. So I call it your internal board of directors. And so like, <laughs> if you could imagine sitting at like a giant dinner table, like a big long, you know, the last supper, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all you. So it's like Tori as a little girl, Tori as a teenager, Tori as the ego, Tori as the higher self when you're like in your high vibe state, probably shuffling and you're just Mm -hmm. like vibing and flowing. That's like your feminine divine, right? Mm -hmm. So all these different Tories and getting really good at having conversations with all of her and, and turning inside when you're making these decisions and you're saying like, where is this coming from? And like, thank you so much for being here, but I'm going to politely ask you to leave the table. Like I, I, I know why you're here, but that fear is not real because it all is the same. It's the fear of judgment. And what if I can't? And you know, like you're saying, how do I start? Where do I start? What if no one joins? What I teach my clients and myself to remind myself of all the time is a reframe of actually like, who are you not to? Because again, I believe if you have, if you can solve a problem, you can have a business. It's not, you don't have to, but you can have a business, mm-hmm. right? And at the end of the day, we can all solve problems. 
there are moms listening right now who just are really good at packaging sandwiches in sandwich baggies, like, and reusing them. <laughs> and like, that's a problem for somebody, right? Who doesn't have enough sandwich baggies or whose yeah. kid doesn't want to eat whatever, because they don't like the shape of their sandwich. You, there's a, we can all solve problems. Mm-hmm. So if you can solve a problem, you can have a business. Now, if you can solve a problem, I believe it is your responsibility to help other people. I just believe it's your responsibility. There's a ripple effect, right? And so when you go and you teach or you show or you share, if one person can take something back from that and it doesn't need to be a high ticket course or a program, it's the same thing as like, you go to a restaurant that you love, you tell your friends about it, right? You Mm -hmm. see a movie that you like or a Netflix show that you're watching that's good, you tell your friends about it. With no attachment to what is it gonna look like? Is it a business? Can I monetize it? It's just human nature to be like, hey, there's this cool thing you might like. Yeah. So if you have a solution, I believe it's our responsibility to say, hey, if you're interested, there's this thing, or I know this person who can help you. And this Mm -hmm. is what it looks like. And so when you can shift it from like this heavy business thing of like having to start and be ready, and it's not about that. It's just, I have a solution. If you're interested, it takes a lot of the pressure off. And then uh, for sure, getting some sort of a a blueprint or a template or a coach Mm -hmm. Business can be built a million ways in one, right? Like there's no one way to build a business. I do believe at the beginning stages though, it's important to have some sort of a template or framework because there's there's clarity in contrast. So mm-hmm. in going through a blueprint or going through a coaching program, you will f- you'll find out, I actually don't like to do it that way or I hate group coaching or I only wanna do one-on-one mm-hmm. or that coach's method of sales feels really icky to me, but you won't know that until you actually start going through those things. So I do think that at the beginning stages, there is a huge benefit to having some kind of a playbook to follow. And then you get to turn it into your own as you start to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the easiest way to to get ready and to get started because you're never ready. Like you're You're, never ready. It doesn't go away. No, you're never ready. Uh, Anjali is coming out with a book. I'm sure you're ready as a lie. lie. It's it's the truth. Like you're you're (laughs) never going to feel ready to do something. Um, until you just do it, you just do it and you, you rip the bandaid off and you realize that the fear is not a saber tooth tiger and that you're not going to die. You know, like you're yeah. not, you're not going to die. I think that's, that's absolutely huge. So I love that. And I think g- getting a blueprint, investing in a coach, getting some type of mentorship package, joining a mastermind, do it like investing in yourself mm-hmm. is huge. So I want to shift the conversation to money as yeah. well. Like, let's talk about investing. Let's talk about money mindset. Um, because I'm sure to get to the point where you were a PE teacher, totally burned out to building a seven figure business. There was a lot of money beliefs that you probably (laughs) had to uncover and go through. And I know a lot of people that feel very icky when it comes to sales, or they don't Mm -hmm. feel like they can charge because they're like, I should be giving this away for free. Mm -hmm. And so then they have these like price and, and self-worth issues with money and like yeah. all this stuff. And I know money is something that like, I am looking at all the beliefs that have been passed down to me, like yeah. the scarcity mindset, the frugality, all of that stuff. And I'm like, are these beliefs that I believe or they were like just given in my lineage? And so a lot of us don't realize that. You realize yeah. that like a lot of our money beliefs and patterns are just, we're, we're taking it on from our family and our parents. Absolutely. And we have to like deprogram that. So let's talk about your money mindset and kind of, at like your whole journey with money and your relationship with money. Did you ever feel like you had a scarcity mindset? And of course. Yeah. So I was a house poor, I was a house poor teacher. My husband and I own a house in New Jersey. We bought it. It was, we couldn't afford it. We were house poor. We couldn't, I mean, we paid our bills, but that was about it, you know, and I was a teacher making after eight years, I left 
I left at like 50,000, 54,000, I think is what I left after eight years. years. Wow. Right. Living outside Manhattan, New York. Like we were right outside the city in a super expensive area. Right. So I was a house poor teacher. That's just what it was. And, um, you know, growing up, we had a fairly okay money mindset, but we definitely like, we've always used coupons and like looked for deals and Mm -hmm. we didn't have an abundance of money. Life was good, but there was, we were not flying around and you know what I mean? Like first class type of thing. I remember in high school, I was one of the few people in my graduating class that wasn't like gifted a car. I actually had to buy my car. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was that type of thing. Great life, but also, right. Um, I've done a lot of money mindset work for sure. And what does that look like? I think people hear that it's like, do the work. And you're like, well, what is that? Yeah. (laughs) It really truly is sitting down with a journal and it is writing those old money stories and whether you want to write them and burn them or crumple them or just write them to get them out of your head and create space for new stories. But it's understanding those old stories and old patterns and checking in with yourself of like, how do you relate to money? What is your relationship with it? Do you hold it and hoard it? Are you just letting it go as fast as it comes in? Um, How do you perceive the value of things? Because it's interesting too, when you get into sales, right? Like we are reflections for one another. So often when a client is giving you an objection, that is a projection of what you are putting back out. So like if money is the thing that they're uncertain about, most likely you're actually uncertain about it, maybe the rate that you're charging and they can feel that. And so they project it back. And so, wow, to, I never thought oh, about yeah. it like that. What, that's so, that's yeah. so true though. Yeah. So if you're not confident in selling, yeah. they're not confident in buying, right? Yeah. Like period. And I think the biggest thing that does generally come up for our clients is a money objection. It's mm-hmm. sometimes it's time, it's generally money. And so that's a good indicator for for me that we need to do more work in our programs, which is why we do, we have a money coach on staff and we talk about, we talk about money very openly. I talk about money in my content. It's one of my pillars. So once a week I'm talking about money, investing, finances, whatever that looks like. Um, I think also just understanding, I, I, we don't want to get too woo woo today. Right. But like, no, I like the, I like the woo. I like the money. (laughs) Money is it's, like it's not real. Like we create the worth of money. Like mm-hmm. humans create yeah, what money is worth. Or numbers in your bank account on yeah. the computer. Yeah. And we can create it out of thin air, which is really bizarre. Like that's what I do. I teach people how to create money out of thin air. Like we are selling things that don't exist. There's no product. We're not making wine and selling it. You know, like we're just offering something that we have in our head and people are exchanging money for that energy. Mm-hmm. Money is an exchange of energy and the way that money works is cyclical. So if you don't put into the money pool, you're not going to get back out. So we teach, like we invest, we put in, we impact. And from that impact, we make an income. You take your income, you invest, you make an impact and it just goes over around and around and around and understanding that cycle there. I think it starts for people a lot of times who want like the tangible, tangible, ooh, excuse me, tangible masculine, like, but how, I think it can also start with just a really simple, like, do you actually know what your, what you quote unquote should be charging based on not what you think your perceived value is, but based on your goals. So if you want to go masculine and tactical, what is your revenue goal for the year? And then reverse into it. And I can do a quick calculation with you. So we can all do it on the podcast together. Yeah. Super easy. Okay. So we have a big, crazy idea, stupid number that you want to create this year in revenue. So 100K, 120K, 250, a million, right? Mm-hmm. Write that number down, keep it aside. Now we're going to do a quick little math equation. So, and I'll do it with you because I want to pull an example that everyone can hear. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take how many hours per day in a, in a perfect world, how many hours per day would you like to work? Are you willing to work? Like you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're like, ah, eight is like a normal work day. So mm-hmm. I'll go with eight. Cause honestly I work a lot more than eight. 
So I'll just say eight. You're going to multiply eight by how many days per week in your perfect world you'd want to work. So I would like to work four days a week. So I'm going to do eight times four and that's 32. Now, how many weeks per year are you wanting and willing to work? There's 52 weeks in a year. A lot of people are like 50. Hold on. Hold on. This is not a corporate job. If you want off, you know, more than two weeks for vacation, do you want one week off a month? So really think about that number. So 52 weeks a year, I'm going to say I want 10 weeks off. That's like my old job as a teacher. That's summers off. That's mm -hmm. almost a week a month. So I'm going to multiply 32 by 10. So we just did hours per day, days per week, weeks per year. Okay. So that you're going to come up with your total number. And then you're going to divide that into the revenue that you wanted to make this year. So let's say I wanted to make 120 grand a year because that's 10K a month. And that's usually people's like first goal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do 120 divided by 320 and it's 375. So my hourly rate calculated based on my actual goals of how much money I want to make and how many hours I want to work, I should be charging 375 an hour. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. love, the, I love just the tangible action of that. of just like yeah. knowing, okay, like reverse engineer, what is your goal? Um, so yeah. then when you're setting your pricing, I'm sure that you deal with a lot of people that struggle with setting their prices for, yeah. for things that they're, they're selling, whether it's their services, whether it's their knowledge, whether it's their time. Right. Mm -hmm. So some people probably just like peed their pants or like, <laughs> I should be charging $375 an hour. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Right. So, so, so people that are like, maybe that just was triggering for them right now. They're totally. like, yeah, they're, they're like, I, I know for me sometimes, like when I started like setting my prices for, for classes or for my master class, I started to have like even self-worth issues and I know I am so aware of it. And I'm like, why is this coming up for me yeah. right now? You know? So I want to talk about, like, I know you said that you have a money coach in your program that kind of mm -hmm. talks about this. What are some things, I mean, is it just like journaling it out? Is it meditating? Is it just yeah. like getting really honest and clear or, or getting a money coach to talk about this and work through it? Like, what do you recommend people that are very aware that they're having these money blocks or money beliefs, but like, what can they actually do or what are steps that they can actually take towards working through it? Yeah. I'll give you a bunch of steps, but I will also give the audience, I have a training, a totally free training that they can do how to price with confidence. And so I'll take you through different steps in there as well. And so we can add that to the show notes. Amazing. It, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We'll I will link that in the show notes. For Amazing. Sure. Um, what I would do, get clarity around that kind of quote unquote should price that we just did mm -hmm. based on your goals. And then just also assess the goals, right? Like I said, I was going to work four days a week to come up with that number. So if you're, that might not feel good for you. Um, from there, when you're pricing something, you have to understand a lot of things go into it. So yes, we want to take into account tactically, what would that number look like for your hourly, but also what is your experience? How long have you been doing this? How many certifications do you have? What are the results that you've been, you know, that you've gotten for other people? How many years of schooling did you go? Cause th this is what we get to put into our pricing. People mm -hmm. are paying you for that expertise. So don't discount or discredit all of that. Then in addition to that, consider what it is that you are pricing. So for example, if you're pricing a 12 week group coaching program, which you can't go on Instagram now and not see somebody yeah. selling one, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like you have to consider some industry standard. You don't mm -hmm. have to stay within the industry standard bubble. You create your own business, you do what you want, but there's definitely going to be like, let's go, you're in LA, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're familiar with Air One. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So like, how, how is it that Air One can sell like a $13 or $27 smoothie or a coffee, 
but then like McDonald's sells a 99 cent coffee and Starbucks is like $7. So like there is a huge swing in industry standard. So you do get to pick where you want to be, but also consider if you're someone, I'll use myself, for example, I have no issue talking about it. So I charge mm-hmm. 2k an hour. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing a group coaching program, Empower has 48 group coaching calls with me. Do you really think I'm charging 48 times 2000? Like, no, it's a group coaching program. I'm not charging a hundred K. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you have to just consider something like that in that capacity where like, what is the standard? And then also the most important thing, everything, every decision you make in business, it is not about you. It is about the client. So when you're looking at pricing, what is the value of the transformation for that client? Like how badly do they want it? What does it mean to them? How long have they been struggling on this thing? How much other money have they poured into this problem that they've been trying to solve? What does it mean to them? What is the value of the transformation for them? And the other thing, the last thing I'm going to say, I think this is maybe number four, work your way up. Like you don't, you don't just raise your price because the calculator told you to, or because you just did this calculation on this podcast and you were charging 50 an hour. And now you're like, Whoa, I should charge 375 (laughs) work your way up. Like there, there needs to be two things. One, you have to have a level of confidence as you raise your price, but two, there needs to be proof of concept. So proof of concept comes from proof of purchase. So when we come in with our programs from empower and our clients launch for the first time, what we teach them to do is to have like a stretch goal that they want to be selling at and then have a have a more realistic goal that they're not willing to go below because they just know that they are worth it. Mm-hmm. That is the time that they're putting into it and the years that they've spent, right? They'll sell from the bottom number first. So let's say, for example, they want to sell a group coaching program at 3K and they are just hard stop, will not go under 2K because they that's what they need in order for the exchange of energy and to pay their bills and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They'll come in selling it at 2000. The moment somebody says yes to 2000, their confidence is now raised because there's proof that that program is worth 2000. Someone's willing to pay 2000. Mm-hmm. So then over time, whether it's during the same launch or it might be the next launch, then we raise it to like 22. And then they'll finally, when they get that proof of concept, raise it to 24. And eventually they'll be at that 3K mark. And then eventually they'll be at like 6K and not even remember the days that they sold it at three. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like in the, pr- the proof of concept by the proof of purchase that someone is willing to pay that amount. Mm-hmm. And do like look at the industry and see what competitors are are, are, you know, just, it gives you a gauge too of like what people are paying, what is the industry standard and then realizing, do you want to be Erewhon or do you want to be McDonald's, you know? And like, and that there are going to be customers for both and people that need both. Um, and I think that is a beautiful thing. Like you can either be like a high ticket, sell something, you know, at a high ticket, or you can try and sell something at a lower ticket and reach more people and help the masses. But obviously the transformations are going to be a little bit different. The energy exchange is going to be a little bit different. And that's okay. So and you get I to choose because you get to choose yeah. who your ideal client is. You yeah. literally get to pick and then you call them in based on the content that you put out. Like I it's a choice. That. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. love that. I want to talk about investing in yourself. Yeah. How much have you invested in yourself? <laughs> like, um, oh, like I you can't, can't, I can't even put a number, right? Like, I mean, so time, 30, energy. Well, in terms of like actual, just like money, money and like coaching programs, 30K last night. So I just joined a new mastermind last night. That was 30. Um, that was just last night alone. Last year was 120 in coaching programs during 2020. Um, and that's how you, when you're investing in yourself, that's how you continue to elevate yourself. So then you're being able to charge more or help more people or Mm -hmm. impact more people and call in more money. 
right? But I, also, how can I expect someone to pay me if I'm not willing to pay someone else, right? 100%. Like, yeah. And I think this is something that I really want to talk about because people look at the investment not as an investment. They look at the, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like $30,000 in a, in a mastermind, like I'm never going to get that money back. But what you're not looking at is like the transformation and the person that you're going to grow into Yeah. to like, like, that's like the best investment you can make is yourself. Like the ROI Absolutely. on yourself is exponential. So yeah. I want to talk about kind of just the mentality of investing yeah. in yourself and how yeah. important that is and how crucial it is to your success and your growth. Yeah. It's a non-negotiable for me. Um, but similarly to raising your prices, it didn't start with me investing 30k it started with the first course i ever did in 2014 i actually took a screenshot last night because i went back into my email to find it it was 1500 so 1500 in 2014 and i didn't have the money house poor teacher at the time and Mm -hmm. i actually had to ask for help from my parents i asked them for a loan and that was like it was like i have to do this i there i need the help um that was an ego thing back then too. That was a practice of asking for the help. That was what really snowballed kind of the first iteration of my business. Cause it's been so many different things after the 1500, the next program was 4k, then it was 12k. Then it was, you know, it went up and up and up. So it has grown mm-hmm. over time because what's happened is each time I've more than 10 X my investment every single time I've more than 10 X my investment. And you, I actually, you become like addicted. What I think is important is also, I love how you use the word seasons before. Cause I always say that about business there are seasons mm-hmm. of growth as well. So I think sometimes people will actually use investing in courses and programs as a excuse to procrastinate around doing the thing that they don't want to do. Like instead of, and we talked about that earlier, like instead mm-hmm. of doing the work, you just kind of mask it by like, you keep joining more things. So be careful, be mindful that you're not just joining because you don't actually want to take the time to do the work. Mm-hmm. So don't use it as like a distraction method. Um, but know that there are seasons. So sometimes I'm investing in myself more personally or spiritually. Sometimes it's like straight investment for the team so that they can learn a skill that they need. Sometimes I'm investing more in a network where I'm looking to expand my own network. So just considering kind of the seasons that I'm going through with the business and what does the business need? Not right now. This is really important. Like if there's one thing you're going to hear today, hear this, Mm -hmm. you do not invest for right now. You invest for the future version of yourself and what that future version of you would do. So when I ask myself the question of, is this a good fit? It's not about right now. It's what would Jess in six months do? What would Jess the CEO do, right? A year from now. And what decision would she make? And if you're investing from that place of the future highest version of yourself, I can promise you, it will always be a stretch because you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. You're not there yet. But like, if that's where you want to go, then that's the map you need. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think it's such an important thing. Like it will always feel like a little bit of a stretch, you know, but it's a good stretch. It's a stretch that you need. Right. Um, But I think that's the only way that you're going to continue to grow and elevate is when you get outside your comfort zone, you do something that's a little scary. You make that investment in yourself. And I think a lot of people, like it is important hundred percent to not just go program to program and avoid doing the work. Um, And I, I, it's, it's kind of crazy. I think people, a lot, there are a lot of people that do that. And then I think there's a lot of people that say, I don't have the money to make this investment. And it's like, that's why you should make yeah. the investment. Yeah. You know, but can we give them a tip to that listener? Yes. Cause I get this question a lot and I, and you don't need to invest a ton of money. You don't. And there are a lot of, our programs are higher ticket. Mm-hmm. And I understand that they don't work for everybody or it doesn't fit everybody. So for the person who like truly is barely making rent right now, 
there is always a way. And so a really good tip, something that you could just consider doing, it's not going to feel good. This is the stretch for you because financially we're not talking about putting money on the table. The stretch is going to be, can you sell things that you own? And that doesn't feel good, but like you have things in your closet that you can put up on an app like Poshmark, which is free and you can sell it. You can sell furniture and clothing on Facebook marketplace. Again, free. There's always a way what can you create? It doesn't have to be a full-blown program or coaching, but how can you serve? How can you help other people in exchange for money? What do you already own that you can give? And then that way you can create the money. Like there, the opportunity like to create money is, it's just endless. There's no limit on how you can create money. So the excuse of like, I don't have it, I hear you, mm-hmm. but let's reimagine how you're looking at money and let's create it. And what yeah. an empowering feeling to be able to create it. And then over time you can level up because the other thing I do think that we were talking about this last night, uh, a friend of mine, just because something is expensive or priced high does not mean it's good. So like, I think we get caught up sometimes in like, I have to be in the most expensive mastermind because it's the only way that I'm going to grow. And that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. You can have a mastermind with two friends. Like the definition of a mastermind is just like-minded people coming together and holding each other accountable. You don't have to pay for that. I have a mastermind with a gal that we've been doing 15 months straight. We meet every Tuesday. It's a half hour. I talk for 15 minutes. She talks for 15 minutes. We don't pay one another. We're accountability partners. And it's just a way to keep us on track. We come to the table, what I'm working on, what I need help with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, start there, start there. Like it doesn't, you don't have to break the bank to start. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I like, you can create the money. It is. We're in 2021. You have the internet. Um, something that Gary Vee like talks about is going on Craigslist, looking under the free section, going and picking up stuff that people are literally just Seriously. dumping on their front yards and then selling that. Seriously. And like, and I'm just like, you, you, uh, you have stuff in your closet. You have an expensive purse. You have shoes. You have things that you can sell. You have probably knowledge or something like that you can create, mm-hmm. you know, that you can sell. So you can absolutely create the money it's, yeah. where there's a will, there's a way. And absolutely. like changing that belief that like, I don't have the money because I'm not getting it from the job that I'm currently at, but like take it into your own hands. Like you absolutely yeah. can do it. I love that. I, yeah. I absolutely love that. And I think that's so important. And also you guys, like there's podcasts, there's audible, there's books, there's an abundance of knowledge online. Like it's not just also investing money. It's investing your time Time. and time and time into that time into learning new skills and then taking action into it as well. So like, Mm -hmm. even if money is scarce or like you're trying to, to bring in cash in other ways to invest in a program, like you can still start making a transformation now with, with there's, we're in the age of just information, abundant information everywhere. You have so much stuff that you're giving away for free. Yeah. Right. Like, and so I do think when you do make that investment, it kind of tells your soul that you're a little bit more serious for transformation, that energy exchange. But I mean, start small, start with freebies, start taking action on other things as well. And like, start getting those small wins under your belt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Has it been an hour? I can't believe it. (laughs) I feel like I I've like learned so much from you. I know this podcast episode has brought so much value to so many people. I'm so excited for everyone to find you, learn from you. Um, and so where can people yeah. find you? Where can they get more information from you? Sure. Where are you yeah. at? Where do you hang out? <laughs> Best spot would be Instagram. I'm at jess.glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. We are enrolling right now for our March class of Empower. So it's super exciting. If you're looking for a course, we do 40 people per cohort. We sell out every time. We have 11 coaches. It's it's pretty magical. Um, 
I'm on Clubhouse. I have a website, all the things. So we'll drop the we'll drop the link in for the um, how to price with confidence, and hopefully slide into my DMs. Say hi. I love talking to people. I want to hear your biggest takeaway and shift. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jess. Tori, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the High Vibe community. If you loved this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review or take a screenshot and share it with a friend so more women can find this podcast. For more on me, visit torinishino.com or find me on social media just by searching my name. Until next time, friends, live your high vibe life.